0: I want to talk to you a little bit about what if, what if, your father really loved you. Do you think that he should try to teach you the most important thing in all the world? Whatever the most important thing is in the world, that is something that he ought to make sure that every one of his children come to know. Now we know that the most important decision any child could ever make is to accept Christ as their Savior, to know that they're going to heaven when they die. But there's a lot of talk today that talks about everyone needs to have a relationship with God, a relationship with the Lord. I don't use that terminology like a lot of people do. I'm not against it, but I don't believe that you're going to have a relationship with God because you just want to sit around and snuggle up to the Lord. And because you just want to sit and read His Word, and let Him talk to you. That's, that's good. And prayer, we know that prayer is important, and sometimes we just want to just read the Word and talk to the Lord. But a lot of people have bypassed something. They forgot to trust Christ as their Savior, and they're just working on their relationship with God. In my view of studying the scriptures, unless you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you have no relationship with God. It cannot even happen. You may know that there is a God, and you may want to know this God, but you can't know God except through His Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I believe that one of the most important things you could ever know in this life, and that is the reality of hell. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And I want to show you something because I've read it many times. I've taught it many times. But there's also something else that seems important to me. It was, when you leave this world, where will you be? Where will you go? That's to me is the crux of the matter. Where are you going to spend eternity? Now I did not always know the Lord. My dad, as I know of, didn't know the Lord. Now he went to church at times and he would even sing in the choir. They would beg my dad to sing in the choir. And the reason was because the drunker he got, the better he'd sing and he had a, a liquor still. His name was Shine. He went by the name of Shine. He moonshine. I've heard about the sun standing still, but he made the moonshine. But he did not ever tell us kids, as I know of, any of us, how to know that we can go to heaven when we die. Because we know that nobody lives forever. Now some, some dads will spend all their time and money making sure that their kids get a good education in this world. They want to send you off to some nice college or university where you can really make a lot of money because you've got a good education. Now that's not necessarily that bad. But is there something better? Something more important? I think there is. And because of the importance of that, it's the kind of a dad that I have always tried to be. What are the priorities? What's the most important thing in the world? that I can know, in order to pass on, that whenever I leave this world, have I given to my kids the most valuable thing I could have ever given them? And I assure you, it's not money. It's not things. It's the knowledge of the Lord. To know God is to have eternal life. So he says this, in verse 19, and remember, Jesus is the one that's telling this. It's a story about after death. When you have ceased to live on planet Earth, what then? Evidently Christ had not yet died. The sins of the world had not yet been paid for, but they had gone their own credit in a place called paradise. So he says, there was a rich man And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Now Abraham was the father of the nation of Israel. You see, God used Abraham and brought into this world Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, and then the twelve sons. So that's where the nation came from. A lot of people today trace their roots back to this one particular man. Uh, He must have been quite a man. But he was just a man that God had brought out of the Earl of the Chaldees and brought him into this promised land and promised him all kinds of things. And he was going to make him a great nation. And he was already an old man. But God was going to give him a miraculous son. He was going to heal his body and his wife's, whose bodies were beyond having children, and yet he was going to quicken their bodies where they could have a child. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You see, he had this promise by God four hundred and thirty years before the law was ever given. In the book of Galatians, it tells us over and over again about Abraham. Abraham, chapter four of the book of Romans talks to us about Abraham. And the reason that salvation is the way it is so that it can be free to everybody. And that even though all he had to do was believe God, and God put His righteousness to His account, and then it tells us, if we believe, it will also be imputed. That God would take His righteousness and put it to us, to our account. And we would have the righteousness of God and go to Heaven just like Abraham did. And God says that those who believe by faith and faith alone are the children of Abraham. Because it's the faith that we have in the Lord, it's without works. It was before the law, and it was only by believing. And so in the book of Galatians, it talks about how that we are the children of God by faith. And so that Abraham was an example of how God saved an individual, And how God made promises that he kept. So we that know Christ as our Savior can say we're so thankful for Father Abraham. Uh, There's a little song that Betty sung years ago. I don't know it, but she does. And she did it with the little kids. And it would go, Father Abraham, da 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 And she did all kinds of things with them. I don't even know what they are. I should have had her come up here and demonstrate for you, but I'll just bypass that today. Oh, she's shaking her head, no. So that means no. But it's called Father Abraham, and it's a a nice, cute little song. But it is so true. Because when we believe, we are part of this. Now, what I want you to see, how that God, later on, says so much about this man Abraham, and what a father he was, and because he believed what God said, that God blessed his son and gave him the same promise, and then blessed his sons, and then blessed their sons, all because of Abraham. So we have a good example of a, a father. Now, not every area of Abraham's life was above reproach. There was times when Abraham uh, said and did things that he shouldn't have done. Now, he lied about his wife, but it was a half lie. You know, it's only white. But anyway, he got in trouble with Pharaoh and a few other things, you know. But God said he was his friend. He was a friend of God. Now, when you consider Abraham and all of his family and all the people, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, we go back to Father Abraham. Even the Muslims like to claim Abraham as their father, and in a way he was. The people right here in the book of Luke, chapter 16, the man said, Father Abraham if he's father Abraham, and what's he doing in hell? Well, because you see, they still believe that Abraham was their father. But Jesus says, if he was your father, you would believe what I'm telling you. But you don't believe me. Therefore, he's not your father. Physically, yes. Spiritually, no. So when he says that you are the children of God, are the children of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. Yes. But picture for a moment. Here is this great Abraham. He dies, and he is in a place, and God calls it Abraham's bosom. It's the place that we know as a place of paradise. A place of paradise. That's where Abraham went after he died. Another man comes along, and he's a He's Lazarus. He's a poor man. And he dies. And he goes to Abraham's bosom. He goes to the same place with Abraham. Another man dies. He was the rich man. But he had never accepted the Lord, never believed on the Lord. He didn't believe what the prophets said. He didn't believe what Moses said. Because Abraham told him, says, if they will not, your brothers, he had five, if they will not believe Moses And the prophets, they won't believe if somebody rose from the dead. But now, notice, Jesus is telling the story. It's about something that's after we live. It's a picture of something that's taking place in hell. And the word is used as Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades in the New Testament, but it's the place of the departed dead. And in this one place, there is a place of paradise and a place of torment. And they can see, but they can't cross from one place to the next. The Bible talks about how that hell has enlarged itself because of its desire to get more and more and more people into hell. Now, what bothered me was of all the things that we read about Abraham after he dies, is this story. As so though this is the most important thing. Anybody could have ever known while they're alive, because when you're dead, it didn't matter about how rich you were, how you ate, how you dressed, who you knew. It was you didn't listen to what God's word says. There is a place of torment. And a lot of people today, they don't want to talk about sin because that makes people feel uncomfortable. Well, I'm sorry, be uncomfortable there is a way of solving the problem. We all sin, we just don't all commit maybe the same ones. So God's Word is telling us, listen, Abraham, after death, told him something that he should have listened to while he was still alive. This means that to me, if Abraham knew this was the most important thing when he was dead, I believe he thought it was the most important thing while he was living. God credits this individual with so much of being the father of all those that believe by faith. Because we then have become the children of God. Because we believe just like Abraham did. You see, Christ hadn't yet come. The payment had not yet been made. But he believed it. And when he took his only son and he offered him up as a sacrifice, Abraham believed God and it says so in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 that he believed that God would have raised him from the dead in which he received him in a picture, in a type of God sending his son to the very same mount, Mount Moriah and it was going to offer up his son. So Abraham did that which was a picture of God giving His only begotten Son. And he believed that if he had taken the life of his Son, he would have raised him back again from the dead, because he believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of God's Son. So therefore we believe that Abraham knew the truth, believed the truth, and taught his Son, and so forth on down the line. So it is important of what we believe. Now what I want you to do is take your Bible and turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel in chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22. And look there in verse 6. And notice that here, even though it's in the Old Testament, but there are some things that it does kind of give us an idea that they understood more than what we think. We don't know how long this Lazarus and the rich man, how long ago that happened from the time Jesus told it. It could have been right after Abraham died. It could have been anywhere for the next thousand years. It could have been because we know that when Jesus was there, a very few ever died, if anybody died in his presence. But now notice... In 2 Samuel, in verse 6, he says, The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. And you ought to underline those words. The sorrows of hell. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us all that the prophets knew. All that Moses understood. But we do know that Moses made the statement in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, that he believed that the reproaches of Christ would bring him greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. And so therefore he knew about Christ, he believed on Christ. So they did know a lot of things that we just don't have the precise scripture. For the Bible says in the book of Genesis, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him we find in the book of Jude that Enoch was a preacher of righteousness, and that he preached about the coming of Christ. You read it, it's all there. With ten thousands of his saints taking judgment upon those that do not know and believe on him, upon the world of the ungodly. So they knew a lot more than what we give them credit for look in Psalms 18, the 18th Psalm. Psalms 18 and look there in verse 5. And you'll notice even David, even in the 16th Psalm, David talked about, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. And that's the verse that refers to Jesus Christ. And that Christ had made the statement, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Even so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So when Christ died, he went to the place of paradise in the heart of the earth. And before he ascended, what is it that he first descended, first into the lower parts of the earth, and led captivity captive, the book of Ephesians. But here he makes a statement in verse 5 of chapter 18, the sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. You are going to find that there are statements that are made throughout the Old Testament about the real hell in the Old Testament, and about the sorrows of hell. Also look there in the 116th Psalm, the 116th Psalm. See, Where Abraham was is where the rich man wanted to go. But he wanted, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, a lot of people like to just do away with the whole story of what Christ is talking about in Luke. But you see, I never trusted Christ as my Savior because I wanted to have a relationship with God. I know it sounds spiritual to say that's all that I want is just to love God and praise God and worship God. I did not. What woke me up was I was going to hell. I found out I was going to hell. And that's what brought the tears into my eyes. I didn't want to go to hell. And if I have to trust Christ as my Savior to keep me from going to hell, I'll do it. And I did. I did it for nothing more than fire insurance. If you say, well, I trust it because I just love God. I don't believe it, but you can say it. I believe this is when you talk to people and you've got to tell them the most important thing they've got to know. There is a literal fire burning hell. And you are destined for it. Unless you trust Christ as your Savior, you are going to lift up your eyes in hell. Now, that doesn't appeal to a lot of people. It's better to say, look, God just loves us all and just wants us to have a glorious time in heaven, sitting around, worshiping Jesus. Okay, that sounds good. Now, you tell me, how do you get there? You can't have a relationship with God. He can't even be your father, and you can't be his child unless you have accepted the payment Christ made on the cross for you. You must believe that Christ died to save you from hell. Otherwise, what's the purpose of being saved? He saved me from hell. And I enjoy telling people that I can't go to hell today. I can't go tomorrow. So I would just prefer nobody ever tell me to go there. <laughs> I can't. If I tried, I can't go to hell. And it's because Christ died for my sins. What does that mean? It means that I don't have to pay for my sins. Why? He paid for them. All I had to do was believe it. And if I don't believe it, I'm going to hell. If you do not believe on Christ, and you do not trust Him as your Savior, one day when you die, you'll lift up your eyes in hell. And you'll be crying out, Father Abraham, send somebody to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham says, you can't get out of where you are. Nobody from here can go to you, and you can't get out. It's a done deal. And so he says, remember in your lifetime? Remember Lazarus in his lifetime? In your time of life, your lifetime, is when you have to make the most important decision in all the world. Let me ask you this. Do you have a mother that you, that's still alive, and you love her? And yet you know and believe that there is a literal fire burning in hell and you've never talked to your mother about that. But you love her. I told you this one day because Dr. Ray Stanford said it. One day after he had trusted Christ as his Savior, his mother said that she'd gone to church all of her life and so forth and drugged him and heard, heard all these preachers preaching all these wrong messages. Finally a man by the name of Clinton Ophala led him to Christ. And after he trusted the Lord he was sitting in a house one day and And his mom was there. She was about 90 years old. He says, Mom, i got to ask you a question. He says, Do you love me? She says, Yes, I love you. He says, No, Mom, I mean, do you really, really love me? She says, You know I do. Of course I love you. He says, If you are saved and you're going to heaven when you die, and you knew that I wasn't saved and I was going to hell, why didn't you tell me? And she started crying and walked off. Later on she got behind the ministry and so forth. But it, it broke his heart when he really understood. You really care about me? You really love me? Have you got a son or a daughter and you never explained it to them? The most important thing in all the world, there isn't anything more important. The food in their stomach is not as important as the clothes on their back or roof over their head and you know how to have eternal life, and you won't tell them because you don't want to hurt their feelings? You don't want to be offensive? Well, it all depends on what you really believe. Do you really believe there is a hell? And is it the one that God talks about in His Word, with the descriptions of it, that it's everlasting fire? We needed a Savior to save us from What? Hell. And so I trusted Christ as my Savior 52 and a half years ago. And I know I have eternal life and I know that I'm going to heaven whenever I die. But that verse, Psalm 116 and verse 3, look what he says. The sorrows of death compassed me and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. When I Listen to my father-in-law. You see, I used to think I was pretty good. I'm not that bad. But after he explained it to me, I knew that if what he says is true, I'm going to hell. I'm going to bust it wide open. I used to think I had a chance. But after he explained it to me, I knew I have no chance. I'm not going to heaven. And I stood there at that door, and I started bawling like a baby. And he asked me, says, what's wrong? He knew what was wrong. He had not led a lot of people to Christ. He had already set me up. And he knew how to catch fish. He knew he couldn't force me. He had to let the word do the work. And I said, I want to be saved. He said, well, let's don't do it in the dark. So I cut on the light and I went over to the couch and I got on my knees and he explained a few things to me. And I trusted Christ as my savior that night. The only reason that I've gone to Bible college, because I believe in a hell. The only reason that I have sacrificed so much for all these years, given up so much, and dragged my wife and my kids all across this country, is because I believe there's a hell. And the only reason I still do the same thing is because I believe there's a hell. Now, in the process of obeying God's command, I've gotten closer to the Lord. We have a wonderful relationship. But you see, me being his child and him being my father will never change. I have more fellowship with the Lord now as I walk with the Lord. But you see, when I first got saved, that was not the issue. And I believe it's people getting the cart before the horse, get it all messed up. Because all you have to understand, look, I'm not interested in you having a a wonderful relationship with God. There's too many people that use that terminology, and I don't think they have a clue what they're talking about. That's just my honest opinion. When I talk to people about getting saved, I want them to know, look, there's a hell, there's a heaven. You're going to hell, but God loves you. And this is what He did. Now they see a need for being saved, and I want to explain it to them just the best that I know how. Look in Psalms 9. The ninth psalm. Psalms 9. Look at verse 17. As it says here in verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Now, everybody's going to die, so we're not just talking about dying. There's a literal place, it's taught in the Old Testament. And some people are going to be turned into it. Look in Isaiah chapter 14 real quick with me. Isaiah 14. In Isaiah chapter 14, there's an interesting statement made here about even the old devil himself. You heard of him, haven't you? But you'll notice there in Isaiah 14, and look in verse 12, where he makes this statement. How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And then people wondering, is this the one that did all of this damage when they see the devil? But he's going to be brought down to hell. Is hell taught in the Old Testament too? I'm afraid so. And God says that it's a, a real place. That's why Christ had to come and make a payment for sin so that we could be saved from the place called hell. Look real quick in the Ezekiel chapter 32. Ezekiel 32, and look at verse 21. But it says here in verse 21, The strong among the mighty shall speak to him out of the mist of hell. With them that help him, they are gone down, they lie uncircumcised, slain by the sword. Then he talks about some others being there, and about this thing in the, verse 23, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit. Now, when you study about what he said in Isaiah, the sides of the pit, you're talking about a place called hell. The real hell. And then he says in verse 23, whose graves are set in the sides of the pit, and her company is round about her grave, all of them slain, fallen by the sword, which caused terror in the land of the living. Now look down at the last part of verse 24 where it says, Which are gone down uncircumcised into the nether, nether parts of the earth. You ought to underline that. That means in the depths of the earth it is the place of hell, which caused their terror in the land of the living. So they're no longer in the land of the living. Yet have they borne their shame with them that go down to the pit. And look down in verse 25, the middle part of verse where it says, Though their terror was caused in the land of the living, yet have they borne their shame with them that go down to the pit. Now, in the Old Testament, God warned. How much all they knew, I don't know. But I believe that there is a real place. Now, go back to Luke chapter 16. Luke 16 See, nobody can make you care about anybody else. This truth is what I kept asking in my mind, and I asked my father-in-law, what about those that's never heard? What about those that don't know about this? It was hard for me to grasp this idea that God's going to let all those people go to hell if they've never heard. How can they believe on the Lord if they've never heard about the Lord? And believe it or not, those same questions are asked right there in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 10. How shall they hear? I used to complain to Betty's dad. I'd sit there sometime at the table and he'd come home from work and I'd be, I said, and I'd cry. I cried. Because I couldn't figure out how everybody's going to hear. I had no clue that I was supposed to do anything about it. He just told me I was supposed to witness, but The scheme, it got deeper and deeper into my soul. And it burned inside of me like a flame that I couldn't get out, like hot coals. And I couldn't be satisfied with anything else. And it didn't matter if I had to leave a job or leave my wife and kids. And I, I did that. I searched because I had to have answers. I know I'm only going to get one trip through life. No reruns, no instant replays, just one trip through. And I wanted to do with my life what I could. You know, it was interesting. On the trip, you know, you get a chance, you can pass out tracks here and there. But I found out I have more fun when I'm sitting in a hot tub because it really gets hot. Most people can take about 15 minutes of it and they're gone, so I I get a rotation of people to talk to. (laughs) The heat doesn't bother me. I can sit there for an hour. It don't bother me none. I'd go down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, 120 degrees, carry a backpack, 11 miles. It doesn't bother me. I, I love the heat. But always have to have somebody there. And it's amazing how it starts off. <laughs> is this your first trip? Now, well, this is my second trip. My wife and I are on our 53rd anniversary. Oh, well, that's wonderful. That's great. Let me tell you how I met her. And, it, you know... Well, how did I meet her? Well, she lived next door. And I thought she was the prettiest thing in the world. And so I asked her dad if I could marry her. And he said no. So we run away to Anderson, South Carolina. We got married anyway. And he was going to part my soul in eternity and I wasn't ready. It's not long before they trust the Lord. Because they can't get out of the hot tub until they do. <laughs> so you, you sit on the steps so that they can't get out. No, but I had, I had eight people trust the Lord in the hot tubs. And it's amazing that uh, the conversations you can get talking to people. And so, I, so I, it cost me a, a cell phone. I forgot to take it out. That's my third one since I've been down here. But, you know, those are small prices to pay. But what is it that motivates you, that drives you? Now look here in the book of Luke 16, where he says in verse 24, He cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now this is after death. This is Father Abraham. If we can't believe what he says about Abraham, then just take your Bible and throw it in the trash. This is not a parable. This is the truth. This is what really happens. This is reality. This is after death. There is a place called hell. There is no purgatory. Purgatory is not in the Bible. But hell is. Heaven is. Paradise is. And he says here in verse 26, and beside all of this, between us and you there's a great God fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from there. After you're dead, it's all over. Your place is fixed. You can't change it. You can't say, well, when I get to hell, I'll, I'll believe it then, and I'll just put a tear in my eye, and God will forgive me, and everything is okay. No, it won't. And you'll have all eternity to think about, it didn't have to be this way. I didn't have to go to hell. I didn't have to be here. Or some Christian could be thinking, I could have told him. I could have said something. Is there somebody that you know and you really love? A relative? A husband? A wife? Son or daughter? But you never talk to them about the Lord. Why? After I trusted Christ as my Savior, I talked to my mom, my stepdad, everybody I could. Some of them told me to shut up, mind my own business, and leave them alone. They'd get up and walk out of the room, break my heart. But little by little, little by little. And then I had a whole bunch of relatives, and it wasn't long before some of them died, and I was asked to do the funeral. And every time I've given the funeral, I always give the gospel, hoping I get another one. Maybe another one. There's another one. You see, it's just a fishing hole. You go fishing. Why? You're trying to catch some. Christ says, follow me and I will make you a a fisher of men. Have you been fishing lately? Caught anything lately? Now, I am not a good fisherman. You know, to actually go catch real fish. Every once in a while I catch a fish, but it was an accident. They ran into the hook or something. (laughs) But even if you do that, you can catch something. But I do believe that the greatest thing you'll ever do is telling people how to have eternal life. Every father ought to determine his mind. I'm going to try to be the best father I can be about the most important thing there is in life. If there's anything I want my son or my daughter to do is to know the Lord and I want them to serve the Lord. Anything that I want my grandkids to do, I want them to know the Lord and to serve the Lord. I want them to believe that, hey, hell is real. I would hate to get to heaven and find out they're not there. And I took it for granted. Sometimes you have to just just do it, just talk to them. To ask a loved one, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Have you ever had anybody take the Bible and show you how to be certain of eternal life? See, you have to find out your own words. But you can find something. There is a way. Find a way to do it. And I think whenever you get to heaven, because life is going to be over, did you spend your time doing the most important thing in all the world? I want you to be the best father you could ever be. I would hate to think I was a a good father, but I let my kids go to hell. I never told them how. That's why I appreciate the parents who bring their kids to church not just send their kids to church. Be an example. Do right. Life is short. Hell is hot. Eternity is long. Look up here just a moment. Letting this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represent all the things we do that's wrong. Learn how to do this. Find a victim. (laughs) And learn how to do it. If you're scared to talk to an adult, find some little kid. They're not going to beat you up, but you just love to get one of them to trust the Lord. Say, you know, if I could do it with a little kid, I could do it with somebody else. God loves us. We've all sinned, but God loves us. God loves the whole world. He don't like what we do wrong, but He loves us. See, most people, they don't know God loves them. They think God hates them because they did something bad. God still loves you. And to pay for this sin that we've done is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And He did something about it. He didn't let us go. He did something about it. But He's given us a choice. Do I want to live in heaven with God for all eternity? Or do I want to go to a fire-burning hell for all eternity? I don't think it's a hard choice to make. It looks pretty clear-cut to me. And so God says to go to heaven, I'd have to be perfect as righteous as God. But none of us are perfect. And because I've sinned, I'm condemned. And God says the whole world is guilty. And you can't save yourself. You cannot earn eternal life by good deeds. This hand represents Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He came into this world because He loves us. Now He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. So what Christ did for one person, He had to do for everybody. So he came into the world, took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said, if I would believe it, he would give me as a free gift, everlasting life, and I get to go to heaven whenever I die. And let me tell you this. Now, I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. unless somebody took a picture of me and put it on Facebook. I was up there on the floor, and I thought, they got this uh, U.S. Open going on. And all of a sudden, you know, it clicked into my brain. I wonder if I could find, you know, a place where it's on. So it was just nothing but some advertisement on. So I walked up and there's this bar there. And I says, Do y'all have the, the golf game on? I just want to see just how the, the US Open's going. And she says, I don't know. I don't never mess with it. And all of a sudden it came on. It came on. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching to see what the score is and who's doing what. You no. Know, and all this here open place, nobody's sitting in none of these chairs. It's just me watching the golf thing. And this guy comes up, big guy. He sits down right beside me, right up against me. And I thought, you could have cut me a little slack, a little space. All that, all them chairs, you got to come right here. He says, Who's winning? I don't know yet. You like golf? Yeah, 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 I like golf. And it didn't take long before I, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, where are you going to go today? <laughs> now, if I don't get him to move, I know I'm free to talk to him. <laughs> it wasn't long before I went through everything with him. He, he said the whole time he got him a sermon. He said, I've never heard it like that before. He said, I've never heard it. So now, I'm afraid somebody's going to take my picture sitting at the bar. (laughs) But the Lord has been good to me. Anyway, I'm glad I got a chance to talk to the guy. So the Lord led me to the bar. (laughs) Regardless of where you go, always try to maintain a decent, you know, I, I wasn't drinking anything. I wasn't even drinking coffee. So, I don't know, why do I feel so guilty? (laughs) Now, look up here. We all do things wrong, but God loves us. Christ paid for it. Came back from the dead and said, if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did. Isn't that good news? That's the best news of all. And see, when you trust him as your Savior, it means he saves you, saves me. I mean, I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to have to pay for any of my sins. You mean as bad as you are? As bad as I am? I don't have to pay for any of them. That's why God says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace are you saved. Grace means it's not of works. You don't deserve it. And so, if I offered you this microphone and you accepted you'd have a microphone. If I offered you my Bible and you accepted you'd have a Bible. If offered you a cell phone, it would have water leaking out of it. But if Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. That's what I've known for all these years. And this is why I... I believe, yes, you can have a wonderful walk with the Lord and great fellowship with God. And yes, there's a lot of times when I need to snuggle up to the Lord. And there's a lot of times I just need to read and talk to God's Word and have His Word speak to me. But see, none of that takes place. There's no relationship with God until you're born into His family. And that's only because of the cross. You must hear about what Christ did on the cross to save you from hell. And that's what I did. And I believe that's the message that we need to keep preaching. It. Because otherwise, what difference does it make what you believe? Just have a wonderful relationship with God. It is important what you believe. And not all churches teach the same thing. Let's have prayer, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, friend, God loves you, and He loves you so much. That he died and paid for your sins so that you would not have to go to hell. Would you believe that? Would you accept Jesus Christ right now as your Savior? Say, I want to be certain. I want to be positive I'm going to heaven. And friend, if you're making that decision, I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, you say, that made sense to me. And I will accept Christ as my Savior. And preacher, I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. So I'm going to ask you if you will. If you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down and say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. I'll trust Christ as my Savior, and I'll do it right now. Is there anyone at all before we close? Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. Is there somebody that you've been thinking about that needs to hear it, that you need to talk to? This is one of the reasons why church is so important. You get the people to come to church. I'll tell them. We'll work together on this. You get them to come, and I'll tell them. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for your word that you've given us. And, Father, for the opportunity of hearing the gospel that someone brought to us, and we accepted Christ as our Savior. We thank you for all you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.